0: Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. I'm hoping that little bit of an echo will still be there. It makes me feel like I'm preaching to huge crowds at some stadium somewhere, you know, and the, and it's sort of echoing around the place a little bit. Hey, it's good to be free of a mask. Thanks very much, Mark, for the invitation to, to speak. Uh, it's good to be free of a mask, uh, particularly for me, because... My smile is my best p- thing. You know, when I've got a mask on, all you've got is a bald head and a few little, and little tiny eyes there, you know. So uh, I walk down the supermarket aisleway, smiling at everyone with my mask on, and I get steely glares back at me. Uh, so uh, here I am without a mask just for a few minutes anyway, <laughs> and I can smile again, which is uh, fantastic. In uh, recent years, I have prided myself on my healthy lawn, I've become a bit of an expert with, with lawns and uh, become famous in my family as, as having the best lawn uh, possible. And uh, lush, green, weed-free, uh, pretty good, really. And then a couple of years ago, a year ago, two years ago, I think, was uh, that fateful winter when I was a little bit slow in spraying for the clover. And the clover kind of took over, particularly the parts were in the shade. And I said, well, that's all right. Once we get to summer, it'll be okay. I'll spray the clover and uh, and I'll, it'll be replaced by grass. But but when it got to summer, the sun came, but the, but the uh, rain didn't come. And, and so the dead clover bits became dead dirt bits. And I thought, well, when the rain comes, I'll be okay. And sure enough, towards the end of summer, rain came and... Uh, and the grass started to grow and I thought, I've done it again, I'm okay. And that's when the lawn grubs hit, got me while I was down. And, uh, and in two days, absolutely decimated my lawn. And this is what my lawn looked like after the lawn grubs had finished uh, with it. My lawn was very sad. Uh, I lost both my lawn and my reputation in my family as having this A beautiful lawn that the grandkids could play on without prickles and all all the rest. Uh, Last year, we sold our house, not because of the lawn, but uh, with a lawn that looked like that. I was very sad about that, but uh, couldn't do much about it. And I've started again now in the new place, and I'm not doing too bad, am I? That looks okay, doesn't it? Uh, So I survived. Uh, But imagine if My lawn was the whole of my life. Everything that I had was wrapped up in the lawn. And I went through what I went through over that 12 months. Like, I would have been absolutely devastated by the whole thing. Now, I tell that story because this is what happened to the disciples. Their whole life was wrapped up in Jesus. Many of them had left their jobs uh, to follow Jesus around. Some had put a hold on their family life. Uh, They'd gradually come to believe that that Jesus was the Messiah and he was going to to lead Israel into a new uh, godly, powerful era. Uh, They saw his spiritual authority. They heard his incredible words. They saw what Jesus could do and they were invested in Jesus completely sold out to his vision of a a new kingdom that was going to be established. Mary Magdalene was one of these people. She was was called Mary Magdalene because she was from the Galilean uh, village of Magdala. And uh, she'd been tortured by evil spirits for a lot of her life until Jesus had come along and set her free. It seemed that she was part of a wider group of people, or were the 12 disciples, and then there was a wider group of people that supported Jesus, that travelled with Jesus, kind of like Jesus' groupies in a sense. You know? They were there, part of all, all, that, all that was happening. Some of them contributed to the finances because these guys uh, who were travelling with Jesus and Jesus himself had no access to any income. Uh, they had no unemployment benefits or anything like that, and so some of these ladies, in particular, that were travelling in the group, uh, so offered finances to support uh, Jesus and and his ministry. Uh, Mary Magdalene and her female friends were were so committed to Jesus that when his disciples and Jesus decided to leave Galilee. Uh, for about the third time and come to Jerusalem for the Passover, then these ladies came along, travelled along uh, with, with them. Uh, they wanted to do anything they could, could to help. It says in, uh, in Matthew 27, many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Perhaps these ladies didn't believe the disciples mob of blokes would be able to look after jesus very well so they traveled as well and were looking after jesus uh maybe cooking maybe cleaning maybe uh doing uh, and and obviously in prayer ministry supporting him in his ministry all sorts of things uh, as well and they were very excited, I guess, on this trip, Jesus coming to Jerusalem. Maybe this is the time when he was going to establish his kingdom and his authority, and everyone would recognize it. And, and they were quite buoyed up by uh, as Jesus as he came into Jerusalem, the crowd gathered and they were like yelling out, Hosanna and all the rest, you know, this maybe this is this is the time. And then the whole mission of Jesus came crashing down in twenty-four hours. Jesus was arrested at night. He was put on trial early lunchtime, and he was dead by three o'clock in the afternoon. Now we're not shocked by that because we know that Jesus had predicted uh, right throughout his ministry that it was going to end up with with death uh, on a cross, and so it doesn't surprise us. But but for these people that were with him, uh, they were completely devastated. They hadn't grasped what he was saying, like. How could the Messiah die? <laughs> that just doesn't happen. And so when Jesus ended up on the cross, uh, they realised that it was all over. One of the, the first funerals that I was involved with as a young pastor and chaplain at the local high school was the was funeral of a 17-year-old boy, uh, year 12, only child, and one of those perfect kids, I guess we've got some in this church here, do you know what I mean? Just one of those perfect kids that was just such delight uh, to, his, to his parents. No health issues or anything else, do you know what I mean? Just this lovely, very good student, all the rest. Year 12, last year of school, aiming to go on to university, only child. And he was uh, running in the 100 metres race at the, the school carnival, athletics carnival, and he fell down dead at the end of the race. And he couldn't be revived. And I spent a lot of time with these mum and with his mum and dad, and they were absolutely dev- devastated, as you can imagine. Only child came out of nowhere, had had passed away, and and they just struggled with all sorts of questions about why has this happened and why has this injustice gone on? And there was lots and lots of issues. They they felt that their whole life, as they knew it, had had, had finished so you can imagine how Jesus's followers felt can't you uh, they'd abandoned everything to follow Jesus they'd given it all away they had thrown their lot in believing that Jesus was the messiah and now his lifeless body was in a tomb uh, they were all distraught but but I suspect that the women felt it most deeply of all I know that it's not true of every man and woman, <laughs> but generally women do have softer hearts than than guys and and they're more easily moved to tears and and they're generally more committed to relationships. So Jesus dying hit them would have hit them very, very hard. It was tough. Uh, the Bible tells us in matthew twenty seven fifty five that that they were there watching at the cross while many of the disciples had, had disappeared. It was the ladies that were there uh, watching at the at the cross. And then there were a group up close. In John 19, it says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. This small group of women were right there watching it all. And it would have been horrific for them, these Ladies loved Jesus so, so deeply, um, and, but they, it would have torn their hearts, but, but they didn't want to go. They, they had to watch. They had to be there to the end. and They watched the, the dreadful dying of the one that they loved so deeply. They cared too much to abandon him at this stage. So let's look at all of this from Mary Magdalene's perspective this precious woman that had been so oppressed for her and so much of her life by these evil spirits that had dominated her and, and, and caused her all sorts of agony in her life. And then Jesus came along and, and with one word had, had set her free. And she was clean and she was right and she was released and her life was now good and whole, uh, all because of the power of Jesus. So she believed in Jesus. She trusted Jesus. She believed in what he was teaching and what he was doing. Uh, She became an early member of the the new kingdom that Jesus was establishing. She was sold out. Whatever financial resources she had, she she gave to this ministry of Jesus because this is what the future was for her nation and for herself. Jesus ruling uh, forever. I guess she... Prayed with people uh, as they came and ministered, uh, uh, as Jesus ministered to them. I guess she supported them and counselled people. I guess she did a lot of the practical stuff around the place uh, as well. Anything she could do, she was there for. And and of course, this ministry of these ladies was so countercultural to have a rabbi with a group of. Men and women around him was just not on. But, but these ladies were so much part of the, the ministry of Jesus and Mary would have been right there with them. And then she watched as Jesus was smashed by the Roman soldiers and mocked by the Jewish leaders and bled to death in physical agony. And she was distraught. She'd lost her leader, she'd lost her teacher, she'd lost her friend, She'd lost her saviour. Her purpose in life was gone. Everything, everything she believed in, everything that she hoped for was had been destroyed. Some of you have been through this kind of pain in your life where, uh, where you lose something that is just so incredibly important and significant for you and and it's agonizing, and and often when people go through this kind of pain, the, the best thing to do is to focus on some practical things, uh, and uh, and that's often the advice that I've given over many years. That when you're in the middle of it all, just just pick a few things that, that you can do, and and it looks like this is what the ladies did. Uh, Jesus's burial was a very hurried event, uh, and it would seem that for some reason the embalming hadn't been, been done. Maybe there hadn't been time to embalm the body and, uh, or maybe it had been a rush job and they hadn't done it properly or maybe the horrific injuries that Jesus had meant that, that they needed to do further embalming uh, you know, afterwards. Uh, whatever the reason was, there was a strong feeling among the women that, that they needed to embalm, better embalm, uh, the body of Jesus and so uh, Mary and some of the other women made plans they couldn't do anything on the Sabbath the Saturday uh, but on the Sunday they made plans to get out there to the tomb as early as they possibly could and and at least complete the embalming process of Jesus body I guess it was a, a chance for them to to see Jesus who was dead of course but to see the body of Jesus again uh, a chance for them to sort of express their love to him, a chance to cry and grieve over his body as well as touch his body and try and put these embalming things on, on him so that the body at least would be preserved for a period of time. So early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, uh, she, uh, Mary Magdalene and some of the other ladies headed off uh, to the tomb where Jesus was laid. Uh, they travel together. A woman wouldn't travel by themselves in in that situation. They travel together, um, and the bo- the body of Jesus, as we know, was was in a cave, uh, with a with a wheel-shaped stone that run al- ran along a a stone groove. And and as they were going, they were worried about uh, how they'd move this stone back. Whether they'd have the strength with among them to to be able to push uh, the stone back so they could get into the to the body of Jesus. Let's read the the passage in John chapter 20, and I'll read the first couple of verses there. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Things, when they arrived, things took a turn for the worse. The stone was already rolled back, which I guess was a relief in a way, but, but the body had gone. This is a disaster. Right? Like not only has Jesus dead, but now someone's taken his body and they don't know who it is. Is it grave robbers that have come along and taken the body of Jesus? Or or is it his enemies? Uh, maybe the Jewish leaders or the Romans have, have got rid of it to make sure that... Uh, it causes no more problems or, or maybe it's the, something to do with the tomb supervisors, you know, moving bodies around or whatever it is. They, they don't know but the, the stone rolls, has rolled back and the, and the body is gone. The were, were women I feel this so deeply and Mary Magdalene like, like there's not even a body now. So At least she wanted to do something more for Jesus and now the body's gone. How, how painful. Uh, for her so mary rushes to tell the disciples and then returns to the spot by herself and uh, she's i think she's got a sort of preoccupation she's got to find this body like that's the least thing she can do if just she can find uh, the body of jesus and so it says in verse 11 of john chapter 20 now mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Oh, they've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. Mary Magdala of Magdala looks into the tomb and there's two angels there. Now, I've never seen an angel, so I've got no idea what an angel uh, looks like. But it obviously, in her weeping state, obviously looked enough like people that she thought it was just two, two men in there. Uh, she's just thinking grief. She's just thinking stolen body. And these men are in the tomb, so obviously they're going to know uh, where where, this, where the body is, has gone. Of course, these guys in the tomb... The angels know what's happened, that Jesus is alive, you know. There's this lady crying away looking in the tomb. And uh, and they say, like, like, why are you crying? <laughs> and she said, Well, the the body's gone, and I can't even embalm the body of my precious Jesus. Then something happens. Jesus himself turns up. That's right, suddenly Jesus is there. Let's just read about it, verse 14. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but, but she didn't realise it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, well, I'll go on the last little bit in a a minute. There's a really precious picture, isn't it? Like, Mary is overwhelmed with the lost body of Jesus, the death of Jesus, of course, and now the lost body of Jesus. And and the risen Jesus is standing right there. And he's talking to her and mistaking her him for the gardener or someone in charge of these, these tombs. Uh, she, she asks in desperation, have you done something with the body? It's like she's absolutely fixated on this finding this body of Jesus. She's so preoccupied with, with the issues, her problems, and that, that she misses the fact that so this is Jesus here. <laughs> he's right there behind her. The fact that, that all her wildest dreams have been fulfilled, that, that he's alive. He's defeated the grave. His body's gone because it's been raised to life. Jesus is alive. And then something completely changes for Mary. She hears her name, Mary, and she knows this is Jesus. It's Jesus. He's back from death. And Mary runs into his arms. Then Jesus says something very odd. Verse 17 Jesus said, Don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father, and to your Father, to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news I have seen the Lord. Many painters have tried to depict this moment uh, of Jesus saying, um, uh, don't touch me or uh, don't hold on to me. And, uh, and it, it lo- often looks like this, you know, that, that Mary's there desperate for Jesus and Jesus is, is holding out his hand and saying, um, you know, stay away from me. I don't think they've got that Right. <laughs> I don't think Jesus is pushing her away at all. I remember my dad, um, after mum passed away very suddenly, she had a stroke and and, and was gone. And I remember him saying many times, if if only I could have a few more minutes with her, if only I could see her again. And, uh, And this is what's happening here. Mary thinks that Jesus is gone. And suddenly he's there. Again, and of course, her natural reaction is to, is to wrap her arms around Jesus. And, and this, is, this is the way I see it, uh, when Jesus says, don't hold on to me. I see Jesus there with her, his arms wrapped around her, whispering gently uh, in, into her ear, saying that, that there's something changing here, Mary. The relationship that we have will not be a physical relationship any longer i'm going back to my father but this will be a spiritual one and and the relationship will be through the holy spirit living in you and it's actually going to be so much better than anything you could have dreamed of don't hold on to this mary there is better to come i'm going back to my father but there is much greater things to come now off you go (laughs) spread the message i'm back you don't have to hold on to me (laughs) i'm back (laughs) Uh, And, of course, she then carries this incredible good news uh, to the disciples. That's a wonderful story, (laughs) a wonderful story of the resurrected Jesus touching the life again of of this precious lady. But what's the significance for us this morning? As we read the story, as we've sung the songs, as we've celebrated Resurrection Sunday, what's the significance of all this for us? And some of these things... Uh, probably you've heard many times but let me just go through a few things the first thing and obviously the most important thing is that Jesus is alive now, there's no bones left there's no DNA left uh, Jesus has risen from from the dead he died for us he broke death's power by coming back to life uh, this is not a story made up for by wishful thinkers you know well great if Jesus had come back to life let's write that kind of into the story because if they were making it up you certainly wouldn't put a woman as the first witness to Jesus' resurrection like we would today that would have no no particular significance for us but in those days women were not seen as reliable witnesses. Uh, Mary (laughs) particularly with her background and all the rest would not be seen and yet this is he the first one that Jesus appears to is, is this lady. And she had no idea of what was going to happen. It completely astounded her. Jesus broke the power of death. Jesus' resurrection guarantees Christian faith. We probably all have some doubts at some stage, but we need to keep going back. Jesus is alive. Like He came to life again. There's not some story. This is reality. It guarantees all that we believe. It means that God's promises count, both his promises for us now about saving us and being with us and his promises to us for eternity. Like These promises are real based on the fact that Jesus overcame death, that he rose from the dead, that that he is alive. It means that Jesus is, is in control. It means that God's promises count for us, that there's a future beyond death that our relationship with Jesus is forever guaranteed. Jesus is alive. Uh, The second thing is that Jesus is alive and, and this is a message that everyone needs to know. Like it's not just for the super spiritual. It's not just for the religious. It's not just for good people. Like this is a message for everyone. That God's heart is for everyone, no matter how insignificant or broken they might be. And and in the the huge story of the resurrection, probably the most important story in the Bible. Because everything hinges on it. Who is the hero in this story? Apart from Jesus, of course, it was risen from the dead. But but in the narrative, who's the hero here? (laughs) It's a woman. Not one of the inner 12 disciples. They kind of hear about it later on. Who is the one to whom Jesus first appears? It's not a reliable man, as they thought in Jesus' day. It's a weeping woman who'd been demon-possessed, who was on the fringe of Jesus' followers. Mary was the first to hug Jesus, to carry the message that Jesus was alive. And this is hugely significant. It's hugely significant that it was Mary who was the first witness because it shows that this gospel message, this incredible truth of Jesus' death and resurrection, is for everyone. It's not for the elite. It's not for the special people. It's not for the good people. It's for everyone. And Mary was an example of that. A lady on the fringe of the disciples was the one, the key one, to whom Jesus appeared. You may feel that that, that, that closeness to Jesus and, and faith in Jesus is... You know, is for those that have got something special. Maybe they've achieved certain things, or done certain things, or maybe they have a certain kind of heart, or whatever it might be. But, but this—the the fact that Jesus is alive and working in power—is, is actually a story. Is actually a message for for every one of us. That God is concerned about you and even in the middle of your problems or disappointments or even your hang-ups or addictions. Uh, Christian faith, the message of the resurrected Jesus, is is not for good people. Uh, It's for everyone. It's for everyone, to the least and the most insignificant, most insignificant people in our world today. This message, importantly, uh, is for them as well. Jesus is alive. This is a message that everyone needs to know. And lastly, Jesus is alive and he's here right now. Jesus is here. Not in bodily form, as the PowerPoint probably suggests. <laughs> you can't see him or shake his hand or give him a hug if you're a hugger. Not that you'd be able to do that with COVID anyway, all right. But, <laughs> but it's not physically you know, that Jesus uh, is here. But he's here uh, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and and he's speaking. You see, Christian faith is is not a leap in the dark, you know, kind of thing. I just have to hope that that uh, that this is going to be okay, and I don't know what my faith's is going to be based on. Like like Christian faith is grounded on something really solid, and that is the resurrection of Jesus. And so, as Jesus comes this morning, like. Like he speaks to us. He's speaking to your heart this morning. He's he's through the truth of the scripture. Jesus is saying, Hey, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm alive. I'm not at some distance. I'm certainly not in a grave. I'm right here, right now, ready to support you, to care for you, to love you, to save you, <laughs> to set you free, to give you hope and future. Like all of these things this is what Jesus is saying right now to us and maybe some of us here this morning don't even have a relationship with jesus at the moment and jesus is here calling you to follow like he appeared to mary and says i love you mary like i love you <laughs> so he's saying that to us this morning i love you and i want you to be my child that's why i died on the cross and i've risen from the dead and you can have a relationship with me that will last forever and ever <laughs> you can be full of hope <laughs> In a world that's growing more and more disillusioned because my truth, my resurrection seals it all. Jesus is calling us to to follow, and you're hearing his voice. You know why? Because Jesus is alive. (laughs) He's here right now, he's speaking to our hearts. Let me pray together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. 2000 years ago, a lady who'd had a tough life until you released her, Lord. Uh, and then had spent a lot of her time on the fringe of the group, not there right at the core with uh, Peter, James, and John, and some of the other disciples, too, Lord, but but just wanted to support and just want She becomes the hero in the story, Lord. <laughs> She's the one that you appeared to, uh, first of all. And uh, and I thank you, Lord Jesus, that not only are you alive, but you're particularly speaking to those of us, Lord, that are disappointed, that are disillusioned, that are struggling and thinking maybe Jesus cares more for other people. And, and this morning, it's, no, no, I'm alive for you, <laughs> for you. Oh, speak, Lord Jesus. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us. Strengthen us. Help us to be secure in the faith that we have. Help us to be determined, Lord, to share this incredible message that we have with with everyone around us, Lord Jesus, we pray. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for us on the cross, but we thank you that it doesn't stop there, that you rose from the dead, that you are alive now, that you are speaking and working in our world, that you are sovereign, Lord Jesus, that you are worshipped, Uh, Lord, by all of heaven. And there is going to come a time when heaven and earth come together and we'll all do that together. Every knee shall bow, Lord. Jesus, we recognise you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are and what you've done. And we thank you that as you cared for Mary, so you care for us. And you speak to us this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Strengthen us, encourage our hearts with the truth that you are alive.